Dank Farrick. What an episode. Hello pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the latest in our series of spoiler special podcasts dedicated to season two of The Mandalorian. Now in the second season of course and today we are convened to talk about the third episode of season two aka chapter 11 aka aka the heiress directed by Bryce Dallas Howard written by John Favreau and discussed by myself and my three colleagues of such lethal cunning all the way from Mon Calamari. Helen O'Hara. Hello. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I didn't realise I'd been to Mon Calamari, although some calamari does sound delicious right Newport now. Stewart Thank you very much. It. Is it? Oh. Yeah. There you go. All the way from Mon Calamari and chips is James Dyer. I don't I don't live in Mon Calamari, but I went there for work once on a on a on an outer rim job. <laughs> Low. Oh, no. Well, I mean, Mon Calamari is not, I don't think it's in the outer rim either, so that joke doesn't work on any <laughs> level. But still, still, let's gloss over that. <laughs> wow. Okay, there we go. And uh, last but not least, of course, hailing all the way from Mon Calamari, chips and some lovely frog eggs, it's Baby Yoda apologist Ben Travis. Hello. Just Hello, as for ben. Baby Yoda, he's not a genocidal maniac. Not this week. He is. He was definitely going to try and eat that baby frog. No, they oh, were yeah. best friends. Oh yeah, he would they have looked in each other's oh, no. ugly eyes. He would have know. scooped it up. He's got four meeting frogs. Yeah, crammed it into his mouth, and he would have killed that kid in front of its parents. Yeah, soon as look at it, you know it, monster. But he's so cute. He's, he's, he's so, so cute. cute, and he does cooing and gloopy, gloopy eating stuff, and all sorts. Little ears. Oh my goodness, his little ears. Oh, could you just eat him up? Which, of course, would be ironic. Uh, so, before we get into the episode, time for a quick half-assed. Recap of this action-packed 34-minute episode. Mando, Baby Yoda, and the Frog Lady finally make it to their destination, Trask, which isn't an X-Men character after all, but a watery planet where Mando is told he can find others of his kind. Some kind of squid-looking motherfucker then takes Mando out to the middle of the ocean. (laughs) And before you can say, it's a trap, they give Ben Travis a heart attack by kicking... Baby Yoda into the gaping jaws of a sea monster. Unbelievable. This is where my my recap goes into all capitals. Baby Yoda got fucking eaten. What? What? Oh my God. I was distraught for about a minute. So they try and kill Mando as well, but then he's rescued by three members of his kind. Oh my God. Yes. um, I can't cram Mando's into a desk. X Mac and a joke. Oh, X-Wing fighter pilots. It was such a godsend. Anyway, he's rescued by three members of his kind who jetpike in save him, and then later reveal himself to be Bukatan and Axe, what's his name? Axe Woves. And Koska Reeves. Yeah. Costco? But Koska Reeves. These all sound like characters from one of the sort of Jerry Butler has, it's Mandalorian has fallen characters is what these are. Koska uh, Reeves, played by Sasha Banks, the WWE wrestler. Yes. Who is here credited as... Uh, her real name, which is Mercedes Venado. Yes, yes. Well, good knowledge. Good knowledge. I did manage a pun, Chris. I got okay, Deus Ex Mandaloria. I mean, it's okay, isn't it? I'll go, I'll go with it. Oh, my I'll God. Go with it. I, I, so, I don't have anything, so, so it's better than nothing, I guess. <laughs> all right, so he saved the Deus Ex Mandaloria and Bukatan, as we all know, because we're all slavishly dedicated to watching episodes of the show that she was on. And... <laughs> Uh, She tells Mando that she is the leader of the Mandalorian people, effectively, and that Mm. he is a member of a dickhead religious cult. Yeah, but just to be like, 
clear, like having done extensive viewing of Clone Wars and not just spent some time on Wikipedia, I, I think as we all know, um, you know, she was kind of with the Death Watch at one point. Yes. And then and left, then left when they kind of fell mm. in with Darth Maul. So, you know, everybody's got kind of dirty hands here. And, and, and I, I, but it was interesting because, you know, when they had the recap at the beginning of the show and they had the bit about him never taking his helmet off and never having it taken yeah. off him, I was like, oh God, is someone going to take his helmet off without his consent? That would be dreadful. But uh-huh. also we get to see his face, which would not be bad. Never ever touch mm. someone's helmet without consent. Ex- and mm. Those are wise words from you, James, which is, you know, a rare thing. So yeah, I was worried about that, genuinely freaked out. And then they took their helmets off and I was a yeah. bit like, oh God, what's going to well, happen Well, we'll now? get to that. We'll get that yeah. in a second because uh, they recruit Mando for a run on an Imperial transport, which is overseen by all people, Captain Bosch of the mm, Empire. Yes, Captain Bosch. Who then makes a Bosch <laughs> job of defending it and it becomes oh. apparent that bo is after the Darksaber, which we last saw in the hands of Moff Gideon at the end of the first season. <gasps> they then head off on their own mission and they point Mando in the direction of... Kalodan on the forest planet of Corvus and a Jedi named Ahsoka Tano. Oh. Oh. And then I went, oh, fucking hell, I'm going to watch Clone Wars and Rebels yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> we are, aren't we? Like, seriously, we need to catch up. Yeah. yeah. Feels that way. I think you can get you can get by without maybe reading everything Chuck Wendig wrote, but I think now the Clone Wars and Rebels are required viewing for this program. I, I felt like that when Disney Plus launched because it was like, oh, suddenly they're all really easily readily mm. available in one place. I, I'm going to get caught up, and then I saw how many episodes there are. <laughs> yeah. there are like it's insane. hundreds of episodes of these things. Throne Resistance as well. That's three different animated series. We don't need oh. Resistance, though, right? Not probably not for Mando, but you know, I'm saying if you want to be completist, which James obviously does. No, no, I'm not. I don't life. watch any of them. I don't watch Rebels. I don't watch Clone Wars. Yeah, but you like, want I don't, to I'm, be like if you had I mean, yeah, time, like you would. If I had time, 100, percent yeah. Yeah, I, I I keep meaning to. It's a lot though. It is a it lot. Is we a don't. Lot. I, we don't have time. No. Now I can show you my schedule for the day, and it, it just simply says the word shit show scrawled in <laughs> red ink at the top and underlined three times. It's. Does it's, it not say this is the day at this, the top? It doesn't say this is. It just goes ah. Shit show. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much my schedule. I don't know it's how just I can a well cram scream from next. How can I cram all these episodes of how many seasons of Rebels were there? Six, seven, a hundred? Who knows? Seventy three. Seventy three seasons. Than there are of you know Master Chef or whatever it is you're watching yeah, at the you moment. Fucking so. don't you don't you dare! Don't you dare! <laughs> Blue Master Chef. Blue Bloods. Oh my God! Clearly you're <laughs> you're a child of Saturday Kitchen. I want to see I mean, Baby Yoda on uh, Bake oh. Off. So do I. Put him in an oven for 40 minutes. Oh, <laughs> no. I knew you were going to go there. No, but... I will not. No, also, he wouldn't, he'd be terrible on Bake Off, cause, unless it was vegan week, because he'd eat all the eggs. Yeah. <laughs> Would he get a Hollywood handshake? <laughs> Is that a sex act? It's not a sex act, incredibly. Um, I mean, well, some people react like it might be. I don't know. Uh, I mean, wouldn't you want to be touched by Paul Hollywood? No, no? He's, he's the worst thing about Bake Off. What? Oh no! Come yeah, on. no. How could you be a Scouse loyalist and then and then say that? Because he's not a Scouser; he's a wool, <laughs> and that's a fact. I feel like we might be getting a little off track. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, wow, this is like an episode of the Anfield Rap. What the hell is going on? Anyway, yes, what are we talking about? This episode, I guess. I guess we're talking about this episode. Um, so, yeah, what did you think of uh, Greg, Marcus and Monica's... Oh, sorry, an episode of The Mandalorian, not MasterChef. Okay, Correct. right, good. Mandalorian professionals would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Anyway, 
So this episode, I think everyone, well, not everyone, but people have been, have been complaining about the last two episodes, even though I thought they were a ton of fun, that they don't mm. progress the overall narrative of this story. Well, how about this, folks? This episode does that and mm. more and gives mm. you lots of creatures as well. Bish bash boss, 34 minutes, job done. Yeah, yeah, I thought this was brilliant because it... It, without those four minutes of credits, this is half an hour of TV, <laughs> and it manages to be a really fun sort of standalone adventure Monster of the Week episode in the same vein as the last couple, while also tying all the sort of slightly disparate strands of the show so far together yeah. into one really satisfying place and moving everything forward. It's like mm. the perfect episode of, of this show. And I mean, massive props to, to Bryce Dallas Howard for pulling this off, because I think people maybe unfairly gave her a bit of stick for her first episode um, in season one with the with the forest planet and and the atst um which i thought was a really fun episode i know it had that slightly gloopy um unconvincing sort of romance plot in it but i thought that was a really (laughs) solid episode but now with this second sort of run at it she's pulled off one of the best episodes of the show so far if not Mm. potentially the best and presumably at least she got to meet Pedro Pascal this time. So that's... Uh, that's <laughs> yes, because Pedro Pascal wasn't in that episode in the first no, season, he was wasn't. he? How could you tell? <laughs> James knew. He just sensed it. I knew I could it. sense it, yeah. Yep, like yeah. with the force. I agree. I thought this was, um, this was really, really good fun. And it is nice to see it kind of moving forward and see, you know, like we had Moff, Moff Gideon, Gideon emerge at the end of the last season as a big bad and then promptly, you know, vanish. So even though he's only here in holographic form, I think that was really promising. The dark sabers coming into play, which, you know, we knew was going to be a thing as soon as you, I saw it. Obviously, I was very familiar with it from Clone Wars, obviously. Well, obviously, but, yes. obviously. But, um, but as soon as you see it on screen, even if you're not as informed as I am, you're like, that's huh. going to matter to somebody. That's a thing that we haven't seen before. That's fucking cool. I immediately said, that's the thing that Bo-Katan uh, of the clan Kreeze is, is battling for <laughs> with Moff Gideon. Exactly, uh, you or know. someone in yeah. this TV show, the name yeah. of which is definitely Rebels. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's wow. so impressive, Chris. Yes. So what's is. Your, yeah. What's your favourite Rebel? No one likes the coffee ones. <laughs> I would have to say the best of. <laughs> the best, the very best of Star Wars Rebels. <laughs> we should. We, <laughs> now that so, I would uh, watch. Yeah. That's less of a time commitment than watching every single <laughs> yeah. episode of Rebels. I totally watch a Rebels mixtape. Yeah, um, but yeah, it was. Yeah, it is exciting. It's exciting also to have the Mandalorian challenged a little bit on articles of his own faith. I yes. think that's always interesting when someone has a very strong creed um, to to actually kind of push the boundaries of that a little bit. And you know, I think he. He's clearly kind of shaken, but not stirred. Maybe by it, you know, he doesn't he doesn't take his own helmet off in in some kind of gesture of solidarity. He just yes. sort of maintains his own beliefs, and and you know, for now, waits and for now, and for now, listens out. I, I like this. I like that it shakes up the formula a little bit. In that it makes you look at Mando slightly differently. Like that he's mm. not only is he part of an extremist cult, but he doesn't even realise he's part of an extremist cult because he's been indoctrinated mm-hmm. and he doesn't seem to realise that this is in fact not the way <laughs> at all. <laughs> or this is a way, but you yeah, know. this yeah. is this is a Fruit Loop way. Like what is going on? This is not you know there is mm. another way, mm. uh, and I think that's a that's a kind of a fun idea as well. But that, that's also. Um, Character growth, isn't it, for Bo-Katan herself? Or, well, let's just call her Bo. Because yeah, that she's, really, that she's moved away she's from... She's moved away from, yeah. essentially, his same belief. Yeah, She's exactly. opened up to her sister's slightly more... Well... It's going clear, isn't it? Like, she's got away from Xenu, and he's still <laughs> deep in the Dianetics. Yeah. She needs to reprogram him. 
Yeah, I don't know if she's gone the full kind of pacifist foot, uh, route that her sister, who was at one point leader, of course, of Mandalore, as we all know. Oh, look at um, you with the extra Wikipedia knowledge. No, no, right. <laughs> no, but that I read up on when I read about the Darksaber. I mean, watched about the Darksaber yeah. last season, so yeah. it's, it's fine. <laughs> when but, I revisited um, <laughs> those episodes. <laughs> but yeah, but she, so she went, you know, slightly more pacifistic route. Bo has always been a that. bit more of a hard line. No, 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 Satine did. Bo mm. has always been the more hard line of the two and still seems to be that, but she's less hard line, interestingly, than, than Mando. So she's maybe a third path. I don't know. Yeah, but I, I just thought that was really interesting and I'm really yeah. intrigued to see Agreed. what they do with it because you don't bring in Katie Sackhoff for no reason because she is, you know, Starbuck and she is a goddess and I love her a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so she was, this is interesting because she actually is the voice of Bukatan. And now she's the face as well. Yeah. yeah. She's made a leap to live action. And this might upset some people because I think people were campaigning for Ashley Eckstein, who is the voice of Ahsoka Tano, to be actual Ahsoka Tano mm. when we see her in the show. And we will see her in the show. That seems unlikely to be the case. Mm. But yeah, absolutely. Katie Sackhoff uh, completing the holy trinity of science fiction properties here with Battlestar Galactica, Star Wars, and of course, the Chronicles of Riddick, and now all in her oh, CV. <laughs> I, know, I know she was in Riddick. I know she was in Riddick. Yeah, Nobody's perfect. Well, that's that's the crowning glory, isn't it? You know, uh, you no, do a little no. bit of Star Wars, a little bit of Battlestar Galactic in the hope that it'll open the door to Finn Diesel noticing you and casting you in a pitch <sighs> black knockoff. ogling you in the shower in a really non-creepy yeah. way. Mm. Uh, I, I wrote an extremely long and slightly ranty blog about that and had a lot of angry emails about it. So, yeah, let's never speak of that movie again. It's fucking dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> Pitch black though. Woo. You're right, Helen. It's Woo-hoo. no Chronicles Pitch of Riddick. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely interesting to see uh, Mando's belief systems being challenged, as you guys mm-hmm. say. Is everything that he's been taught, is everything he knows wrong? And then consequently, is everything we've been taught and know about uh, Mando wrong? So then he was, but he was given his task then by the armorer to reunite the child with the Jedi. So is she now not to be trusted or believed? Well, all of the Kova are Death Watch, aren't they? So. Mm. So it's not that she's not to be trusted, but she's she's one of the cultists. She's one of the, she's in the in the Church of Scientology. They don't necessarily know that there are cults. Is the interesting thing about this? I wonder whether I don't wonder how many of them because he was a foundling who was brought mm. up Death Watch. You've got to wonder how much the older Death Watch people are aware of what they are. I don't yeah. know. But the, this is the this is the interesting thing when they're all in exile and their homeland has been taken from them essentially, which is the situation with Mandalore, mm. of course, as we all know right now. Then the, it's you know who does keep the faith, who is the the right, uh, and who is wrong in this situation. We that's kind of it's just an interesting wrinkle on the situation because nobody can say for certain who's right and who's wrong, and I like mm. that about it. I also think it's. Um, it's just a fascinating situation to be in that Mandel, uh, that Mando has gone out looking twice now for his kind. And in both cases, he's kind of been wrong. So first of all, it was a, just a dude who was wearing the armor, but wasn't a Mandalorian. Now it's people who are his kind, but also not at the same time. And mm. it's just, it's it's an interesting wrinkle. I've never understood why his kind would particularly have the route to the Jedi. and But sure, that's what, where we are, fine. But I think all, all of this is really interesting and perhaps paves the way to Pedro Pascal's lovely face being seen on screen more often as he Hooray. begins to realise that, that Mando doesn't have to wear the helmet all the time, that it's okay, it's okay to wrestle with it on your own time. Do you but, think that's what this is, that they are setting the scene for him to be, you face. know, 
de- deprogrammed, like an intervention. Uh, yeah, maybe. Busted out. <laughs> Quite possibly. Uh, he will go clear yeah. and be able to take his helmet off. Yeah. yeah like, imagine, like, you know, it's still a great role for him, but you imagine mm. that, you know, he must have been maybe in between series or seasons having a, a chat with Favs going, listen, mate, is there anything you can do about this? Anything, you know, where I'm not at the point of death or someone else is at the point of death or I don't think I'm being watched or, or whatever. Is there a way that you can manipulate things that perhaps, oh, I don't know, I'm a member of a death cult or something and then <laughs> meet other Mandalorians and they're always, they're taking their helmets off every two minutes and I realise that my whole life's been a lie. I would take my helmet off in those circumstances uh, pretty much all the time. In, mm. in terms of action, the thing I find interesting is that obviously so we, we get a bit of context this week that Mando is potentially part of a sort of fundamentalist cult but at the same time he hasn't really done anything bad and mm. from what happened this week it was actually Bo-Katan who was a bit shady and mm. was sort of roping him into situations that he didn't want to be in so I felt a little bit confused and conflicted of like oh it's an interesting spin of like she's yeah. saying to you you're a fundamentalist but at the same time his creed is leading him to do good things it's just that he doesn't want to take his helmet mm. off whereas she is less radical but the choices that she ma- she's making feel less kind of clear cut than him so i i hope they sort of develop on that in in the coming weeks because i didn't i thought it was an interesting wrinkle but i don't quite know what i'm supposed to do with that information yet based on the characterization that we see yeah, yeah. with both of them helen as the expert on bokatan mm. perhaps you could shed some light into whether or not she is indeed a shady character Uh, She certainly has been in the past. So she basically engineered a situation with Darth Maul, which was designed to overthrow her sister, Satine, as we all know, who was leading the new Mandalorians who were more peaceful. So she could kind of take over and and displace this this creed, which actually she disagreed with. And this was when she was part of the Death Watch. Having been betrayed, you'll be stunned to know, by Darth Maul, um, Mm. she began to see the error of her ways and began to kind of work to undo her mistakes. Basically, and and I think that's been a that's been a theme for her ever since. And I do think I think Ben's absolutely right. It's interesting. She is the one with a mission to which she is dedicated, and uh, Mando is the one with a creed, but without that overarching sense of mission. He has a specific thing to do with the child, but he doesn't have that mm. overarching sense of purpose that she does to reclaim a planet from the Empire. So is this where it's going ultimately? That Mando is turning this down, uh, turning down this path to go off on another path, but eventually he'll meet up yeah. with her and maybe try and reclaim Mandalore. Is this? You, you gotta maybe. think he's going to end yeah. up involved in the sort of the, the yeah. freedom yeah. fighting for Mandalore. Involved in some fashion, at least. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, anything to avenge the death of Satine, the sister of Bukatan Kreese, who, uh, <laughs> as we all know, was captured and killed by Darth Maul. <laughs> was this? Before or after she worked at the Moulin Rouge? I'm confused. <laughs> well, she was involved with uh, Kenobi, so that does actually work out pretty well. Oh, my wow. God. It's oh all God. part of the greater yeah. MRCU. Hang on, it's Moulin Rouge canon now. I'm really confused. <laughs> I'm very excited for the inevitable musical episode of The Mandalorian. Yeah. Who's broadbent in this? I'm very confused. Has Broadbent not been in a Star Wars film yet? What are they doing? Come on, people. Also, can you imagine Baby Yoda singing? He would get his own number for sure. It would be incredible. Make it happen. Yeah. Make it happen. Uh, I like the fact that there were a lot of squid faces in this particular Mm. episode. Squid face being one of the uh, favourite Return of the Jedi toys that I had. What's the species? 
I don't remember what their official name is. I had the toy, and it was back when, obviously, the toy manufacturer didn't know their names. They called them, like, Walrus Face, Squid Face, Hammerhead. But they do, I'm sure, have canonical names. I don't know. Yeah, I'd, which one's Reese? Is that the one with looks like a bit like a cow? Moose face. That was yeah, Moose okay. face. The All right. <laughs> yeah, they weren't the most inventive. The uh, the, mm. the, yeah. was it I, never the had, I never had the toys as Moose face. I, ne- I always had the toy with Reese and. Oh really? Yeah, so actual, the later yeah. imprint, like the original yeah. one, was Moose face. Okay, <laughs> Moose face. Interesting. <laughs> But yeah, I like that they looked like Davy Jones, but were wearing quite nice cable net jumpers. Oh, yeah, it was uh, very briny this episode, wasn't mm. it? It really was. I loved it. I, I love that every you know every episode so far, and I think next week's going to continue that run, has taken us to a different part of the Star Wars universe. So sand, snow, sea, and this is the first time we've seen live action Star Wars sea. Really, am I right? I mean, Camino, obviously, but yeah. Not really the, the same. The bit in uh, um, Rise of the Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. You Rise got of Skywalker. The, the Death Star with the waves. Big, big, heavy. But there were no. That was the, those seas were cool. The, the like that water was was awesome. Also, of course, yeah. Um, Luke's uh, island planet. Akto. 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 You you very much yeah. enjoyed uh, wet uh, wet bear. Um, <laughs> I beg your pardon. Is wet ben solo. Where's the sentence going? <laughs> wet Ben Solo is where I was going. Oh yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, don't, I don't consider that to be in the same sphere as this. Though, I mean, this is an actual ocean planet, and uh, you know, it has trawlers and fishermen who are made of fish and all sorts. <laughs> and we get sea creatures, and we actually get you know to see people on boats out on the open sea, which is I think that's mm. a first for Star Wars. I love that. Mm. And so next week we're back on, a, on another forest planet. We know that because I've seen an early picture uh, from that episode that has our old chums Grief Karga and Cara Dune in it. So yeah, yeah. should be should be interesting to see what happens next week. Mm. How have they wound up somehow on the Caladan on the forest planet of Corvus. How have they wound up there? What's Caladan, of course, being the seat of House Atreides. So, you know, this is another crossover <laughs> to Denny Oh my God, it is. You're right. <laughs> it's spelled differently, just FYI, people. Will June have a Mon Calamari in a cable knit sweater? I God, don't I think so. so. Fingers crossed. <laughs> that was yeah. like supreme, like, I, I want to say menswear, but I don't know if Mon Calamari have gender. So like, <laughs> sort of. Person wear. Person wear. It was, it was a great look either way. I really yeah. appreciated that. It was mm. a lovely blue color. It fit with the whole ocean aesthetic. What a great look. Did anyone think the, uh, the owner of the restaurant was going to be Admiral Akbar? You know, he Admiral sounded Akbar like snack bar. Yeah, yeah Admiral Akbar's Admiral snack bar, um, which where they serve Sack Snyder's snack cider, um, which mm. is the the tipple <laughs> the tipple of choice. Because um, he even sounded like him, and I thought maybe there was going to be a thread where he goes, "Well, when I was leading the Rebel Alliance, and you know," and then someone goes, "Can I order? Can I order some fajitas?" And he goes, "It's a wrap." I thought maybe he might have done that, but no, it's just it's just a bloke who looks and sounds like him. Okay, surely he'd still be with you know the rebels at this point. It's five years on. He would have taken some time off. I mean, I opened a restaurant because he dies in in Rise of Skywalker, doesn't he? Am I right? He's in Last Jedi when uh, Last Jedi, yeah, when Leia's ship gets blown up. He's, yes, he's that's on that it, ship. That's it. I knew he died in one of them. I couldn't remember which one. He he has a son. Um, who looks kind of young, so maybe he's not Ensign had his little Akbar. tadpole baby yet. Uh, but yes, in, in Rise of Skywalker, there is Admiral Akbar's son is part of the Resistance. Oh, that's, yeah. that's cute. Yeah, see, that movie got something right. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> oh my God. We don't Let's have that not kind of time. That. <laughs> <laughs> we do not have that kind of time. Other things I liked about this episode, let's, let's give a shout out to our old chum, Titus Welliver. Yeah. Yes. Moth Bosch. 
Is that his name? <laughs> oh no, sorry. It's- <laughs> it does sound Star Warsy. Yes, Moff Bosch, uh, Commander Bosch. I was very excited. I, I mean, I can watch Titus Weller in this, but his face was one hundred percent his warrant in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he he did a lot with very little. I would say. Mm. I think it's it's one of those cases where if you're Star Wars, you may as well be, you know use that to get really good people to do really tiny roles. Yeah, you know, and and this was a classic case of an actor who's wildly overqualified for the amount of screen time he has <laughs> um, turning up and taking it anyway, and just giving you a little bit of menace and making it a little uneasy because you don't necessarily think he's going to you know be a one episode guy. When you see Titus Welver, you're like, oh, this could be a problem. Oh no, yeah, significant opponent here. He had here. electric teeth. He had <laughs> electric, electric teeth. teeth. <laughs> yes. He's not the Muppets band. <laughs> <laughs> I liked, I also thought he had a lightness of touch, like him and the, the other officer were like comedy Imperials. Like when it's like, we've got them trapped. Where in the cargo control area. Sorry, the where? <laughs> it's just like, that was funny. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's a good point. That was not uh, yeah, going to end well. Uh, that's Kevin Dorff, who is Hank, the owner of the, the Nine Nine's favorite cop bar in Brooklyn Nine Nine. I, I was watching oh, yeah. going, I've seen this guy before. Who is he? What is he? Why is he? Uh, and yes, as you said already, Mercedes Fernando as Cosca Reeves and Simon Cassianides as Axe Wolves. What a great name. <laughs> Axe Wolves. Axe I mean, Wolves. Of course, yeah. being the bassist from the popular metal Axe. I, I don't know. Or something. Wasn't he in the in the band in, in World Stallions? He was the third World Stallion. Yes. <laughs> Axe Wolves on bass. Uh, but yeah, this episode had it all. It had it all. It had big revelations for Mando. It had uh, good action scenes. It had a lot of comedy. Mm. Uh, I I loved the early bit when they're they're trying to land the rust bucket that is huh. the Razor Crest, and then it just falls into the sea. <laughs> and rather than you know have a heart and mouth action sequence where they're trying to rescue Baby Yoda from the the waters, it's just no. That's just a comedy punchline, isn't it? Mm. And the Razor Crest at this point is so fucked. They're yeah. going to have to bring a, a new Lego version of it. Oh wait, <laughs> wait a second. Have I just hit upon their their big play? Oh my god. Yeah, I, I think I think uh, it it really I really want him to actually fly straight back to Tatooine before he goes to this forest planet because I feel like it, it needs the you know it needs a mulleted expert to really take it over and sort it out. Yeah. He can't. He can't pull that trick landing on every planet now. He can't trust that he's going to just somehow make a smooth-ish landing. He needs mm. to. He either needs to get a new ship completely, or get that thing completely peli mottoed. One hundred percent. Six months in the shop, then just kick back on Tatooine with Cobb Fanth eating some crate meat. That's yeah. what he needs to do. But it also has, as well as all that stuff, it also has. We haven't discussed this properly yet. It has the heart stopping moment where Ben Travis thought that Baby Yoda was about to become fish food, or whatever the fuck that thing was. <laughs> what was it? Ben, how, how do you feel? Have you recovered? Just about. I nearly yelped. Um, I, I, th- there was a sense that that situation was going to go awry, but that, that <laughs> bastard kicking him into the sea. Oh my I God, don't. it was horrible to watch. And, and then the, 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 to be fair, uh, it was that the way that whatever that sea creature was just sort of sucked in the uh the the baby yoda pod was very much the way that baby yoda popped those eggs into his mouth last week so maybe he yeah. had it coming um <laughs> karma 
Yeah, cosmic karma. But I, I, it felt like a big shock because I genuinely in that moment thought, how are they going to get Baby Yoda out, out of this sea creature? Um, and I thought they did a good job of taking characters that you are pretty sure they're never going to kill off, but making you feel a bit of genuine peril. I thought that was a great setup that, mm. that, that the creature's eaten Baby Yoda and then obviously Mando's gone in to save him and then they've clo- closed <laughs> the grate over Mando. he's wearing solid metal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think that's true, did he? I've made a huge mistake (laughs) he'll rust before he hits the first marker it's just yeah it didn't seem sensible i I love how many giant mouth monsters star wars has (laughs) i don't want to get all freudian about it so i'm not but i mean you know you gotta wonder sometimes i wonder about why helen get freud never mind it's all right just don't think too hard about it chris it's all right i thought of my mother halfway through the episode and i don't really know why Chris. Can we talk about Mando's trust issues at this point? He <laughs> is so trusting and he gets betrayed and double-crossed almost on a weekly basis. Yeah. Cobb Vanth, bless him, I thought was going to double-cross him, didn't. Because, you know, he's Timothy Oliphant and the greatest mm. person ever uh, who ever lived who's not Jurgen Klopp. And um, obviously didn't betray Mando. But everyone else, like, don't trust Bo-Katan, you dickhead. Come on. Also, it's like, hey, hey, man in a suit of priceless armor please come and stand by this giant pit with a monster in it no come a bit closer <laughs> i mean he's not the sharpest dark saber in the box is he and bring that baby the baby's gonna want to see this <laughs> yeah yeah honestly yeah. bring that lovely tasty baby but if only they knew that baby was worth more to them than the best car steel oh, that's right yeah that is right also, what was their what was their thinking there so they they punted the baby in yeah. for the thing to eat Oof. He jumps in they after it. To, they seem to be okay with him jumping in after it, but I don't yeah. understand. They were out at sea. Uh-huh. So they want to drown their... him, so they want the armor. And but, once he's drowned, I mean, they can take and it again, off him. And again, I, I, I hate to be the one to bring this up, but doesn't it sink? Yeah, but it's in... I, I, isn't that like a... It's, that's not the sea, is it? Like, it, I don't think it's a hole through it's to a the sea. Yeah, that's like a tank. The... Yeah, so they're keeping that thing in a tank. So presumably the armor would just be in the tank. What does that thing the do then? Is that thing their means of propulsion? Like, what does... It's a mama core. I yeah, it's a mama much. core. Remember that and bit. And it is. And it's in a water tank there. on their water boat. Yeah, it's, it's very unclear why they keep a sea monster in a tank on their boat. Yeah, do you guys never travel around with a massive ravenous <laughs> creature that could eat you any second just, just for kicks? I don't think it was in their on their ship. I think that that was a, a portal to the open sea, and it's like Jaws. I thought so. It's like you know you have that 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 sequence in Jaws where they you know they're put in the cage at the water. Shark is in the water. Mama mm. is in the water. Mando's in the water. Baby Yoda's in the water. Fuck me! Oh my god! Um, farewell and adieu to your fair Spanish Mando. But it's a bit like that, and they they have to go out deep into the ocean. Yeah. to find the place where the mammacore is and then they chum the waters. That's what they're doing. They're chumming the yeah. waters with the, the sort of with space fish. fish. Yeah. And then the mammacore comes along yeah. and then and then they kick Mando in in the hopes that they drown him. And even if they do... But even how if they, do they retrieve he, the Beskar armor? They're made of squid, stated. Helen. <laughs> they can dive in. It's an ocean full of man- mammacores, apparently, which are apparently bad. I just, yeah. I, I just have questions about it's their thought process. Plan. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's their best work. That's all. I'm They're saying. opportunistic, but then it okay. leads uh, to the you know the, the badass bad arrival. <laughs> <laughs> it leads to the badass arrival of the um, the other Mandos. Hurrah! Yeah. Hooray! And initially, I thought when the first one arrived, I was like Boba Fett. Boba Fett, but it wasn't. It wasn't. It's a different color. They're all blue. These are the blue, blue Mandos. The blue Mando group. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
They're just freshman residency in Vegas. They decided to save <laughs> save Mando. Yeah, that was a good punch up. Well handled. Mm. Yeah, I it was. So. It was a punchy punch up, um, and uh, it was a, a great arrival for these characters who the whole point is that they're sort of rogues and they're a bit badass and um i mean it, it did have a bit of echoes of season one of of there was that other episode where all the other mandalorians swooped in and, and saved mm. him um not in a bad way but it, it was sort of something we've seen before but they're doing a really good job of the action in this series like think back to the uh the scrap at the beginning of the first episode it, it feels a little bit harder edged star wars i think this series overall feels a little bit harder edged than season one so far um i think mm. in terms of the disney plus ratings these are all all sort of 14 plus whatever that means with that sort of extra element of hand-to-hand combat that you don't really get in the sort of lightsaber wielding skywalker saga just a really enjoyable action sequence Mm. yeah it was really fun i I, i'm still really confused by his whole other mandalorians will have the answers i need plan because like a whole shit ton of other mandalorians turned up in one episode of season one and then just kind of vanished again and what none of those guys are around anymore to ask i just well the cover got kind of liquidated didn't it so i guess he didn't know where they've gone entirely like there were loads of them yeah pretty much only only the armor was left to point the way to the way but this is about how his you know almost celery isn't celery it's almost about his Mm. absolute unswerving belief in the way and the mandalorian creed and perhaps that's going to be shaken a little bit as we get deeper and deeper into season two. Just on a side note, Mandalorian Creed is the Rocky sequel I absolutely need to see. <laughs> Imagine punching that helmet. Jesus. Break Many people have and it looks very, very painful. <laughs> this is why there must be padding inside it as well as the air conditioning. Oh, I have so many really unhelpful questions. This is why taking this helmet off all the time is going to help. It'll help his skin. It'll help moisturization. Mm. It'll help everything. It'll be it'll be great. So important to exfoliate. Stay hydrated. Stay exfoliated. Mm. What did we think of the uh, action sequence on board the Imperial transport? You know, and the fun. and the fun in joke about yeah. you know, <clears throat> essentially they're stormtroopers. They they couldn't hit the yeah. a bantha to save their lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was really good fun. And I liked that. You know, the how many of them are there? Oh, there's ten at least. Probably like twenty. Uh, no more than fifty. Maybe more than fifty. And it's like, well, we can read four life signs, so I think there's four of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun. But Amanda only might as well have fifty. And that, exactly, that, he, he's he did this as well in uh, the Prisoner episode six of the first season, where he just meets people and then immediately makes a sacrifice play for them. <laughs> just like how trusting is this dude? Seriously, <laughs> he just goes, "You guys stay there. I'm the one who's going to take all this blaster fire to my face and to my chest for reasons." What's he doing? He's like Tony at the end of Endgame, not Tony at the beginning of Iron Man. <laughs> I think he knows he's got the superior Beskar as well. He's got like really beefed up armor at this point. It felt like Mm. theirs was a little bit flimsy. It had cool designs. They had cool little like things on the faces. But his feels like chunky and hefty in a way that theirs doesn't. I I liked as well in this sequence that the way that they play with that sort of classic Star Wars iconography and the way they've thought about what the world is now, five years after the fall of the Empire, that you're still going to have these sort of ex-imperial bastards who are just this like <laughs> nasty crew doing weapons trades or whatever, using all of the the sort of gear that they had back in the uh, when the Empire was live and kicking. Um, yeah, it, it felt very Star Wars-y. 
But it introduces, I think this episode introduces this uh, this idea of, obviously, as we've discussed at length, the idea of the Mandalorian Creed and the code maybe having more to it than we thought and mm. trying to undermine or slightly at least change, toggle Mando's belief systems a little bit. And I think it also does that with the Imperials as well. This is the first time, to my knowledge, that we've seen an Imperial who is so dedicated to their code that he's willing to kill himself for it. First time yeah. we've seen that. There's almost a, there's almost a, an element of mm. religious fervor uh, about this. I guess there's been guys who went down with the ship before. I think I feel like we've seen that maybe in the Imperials, but not this. You're right, not I mean, this kind of. You got to feel like you'd have hung up and getting gone. Yeah, absolutely, and said like, guys, fuck that. You know, absolutely <laughs> not. Yeah, find the escape pods. Come on, yeah. let's get out of here. Yeah. Um, so you're right. I think that that is probably a, an element of zealotry, and it's probably what leads to the first order, isn't it? Really, mm. it's that oh. it's that displaced zealotry towards the empire that then gets transferred to this new leader, this new supreme leader, this new order, mm. this new set of fascist fucks. More you know? fuck with. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're we're not. We're seeing sometimes in real life, fascists are quite slow to give up on their creed even when it's dead. So, you know, it kind of fits, I guess. Mm. Moff Gideon has absolutely not conceded. Not exactly. yet. Exactly. Yeah. 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 He's still insisting that there's a recount on Mon Calamari. <laughs> recount uh, on Endor. We've still got some pieces left. We can fit them back together. Just give me that super glue. We'll be all right. We're just two million behind. If with a quick <laughs> recount, we can do this, guys. We can. Uh Real quick, uh, things I really liked in the episode. Frog Lady and Frog Man reuniting. Oh, that was so oh, sweet. sweet. Oh, Hashtag couple goals. <laughs> <laughs> and they have that, that lovely bit with their, their spawn and, and teaching Baby Yoda a little thing or two about the life cycle and about you know, respect for other creatures until he eats the thing at the end, of course. Mm. Of course. I felt that Baby Yoda genuinely did have more respect for the creature. I feel like he learned from last week when he went up to the tank. Um, I liked that setup in the beginning, by the way, when she has to put the tank down to help steer the ship. Oh, and it's I like, oh, God, Baby Yoda's looking. he immediately goes, <laughs> Immediately, you see his eyes lock onto it. Deliveroo is quick around here. <laughs> I think you got the sense that he was more intrigued and less purely hungering after them, especially after he'd had his meal, uh, after he had his mm. sort of gloopy soup thing. I thought we were going to have round two of, of Baby Yoda eating soup. It turned gloopy out to be soup more... with face hugger, don't forget. Well, so speaking of the face hugger thing, this is like the third episode in a row that has had a bit of an alien vibe, mm. because in the first episode, we had the Prometheus goopy black pod thing. Mm. Second episode, we had the, the alien egg thing with the spider inside. This time, we had a oh full-on face hugger moment. They are really yeah. so plowing right. into the alien. Don't play with your food. Here. Don't play with your food. Um, it was a good Baby Yoda episode. There was, uh, despite all of the mortal peril, um, there was lots of Baby Yoda cuteness and Baby Yoda playing with the little frog thing at the end. Oh my god, that was. Yeah. I, I I need a, a little figure of whatever that frog thing is, and I need it to fit in with the Baby Yoda plush, and it's going to be fun. I would like to humbly submit that that little frog is the worst special effect in the history of Star Wars. <laughs> I concur. It was like it a was little endearing. bath toy on a string. <laughs> I, I think it was stuck to the bowl because I think it was like a finger puppet. I think somebody's <laughs> hand was underneath the bowl sort of wiggling it around. But it was so cute. That melt was... my heart and the little bug eyes. Oh, the, 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 the like cutesy designs are off the chain at the moment. I'm absolutely loving it. <laughs> We've got time for a couple of real quick questions. Uh, at Neil Bang on Twitter, slid into my DMs to ask simply, was this or was it not the best episode of the show so far? 
It was really good. It was good. I don't know, about I don't know best. if I'd say it was the best. I wouldn't necessarily even put it in the top three, but I think it was good. It was very good. I enjoyed it a lot. I imagine if you're well into the animated series, then there's that extra little, mm. ooh, like frisson of excitement about meeting yeah. Bogotan. So. Which, as we yeah. all are, you know, Which, you definitely as experts, felt. Yeah. we all felt. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think even without knowing the ins and outs of that stuff, though, you could feel the way that this is coming together and starting to mm. move a bit further towards something. I like, obviously, all the stuff that we've spoken about. Does this mean that sort of one of the end games of the show is going to be this this fight back for Mandalore with Bogotan? I like that it gives you those seeds that you could start thinking about other wider areas that the show could go into. I think it's exciting mm. in that sense, even if you don't know for sure um, all of the ins and outs of, of the backstory of those animated series characters. I'd also like yeah, to say that, you know, on, on slightly more on a more superficial level, I, I do like the design of the Womandalorian helmets. I think they're quite uh, they're quite cool. With the little, little with the, diagonal with the, isolate yeah. things, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They're, very, they're very, very cool, cool indeed. Uh, Asfar Shah uh, asks, oh, this is uh, Feet into something you said, Ben. It's been an alien reference in every episode so far, or an alien nod, or an a- something that feels like alien. What alien reference would we like to see come up next? Yafit Kotto. <laughs> Great I idea. want to see Baby Yoda in a power loader. <laughs> and I don't think I need to explain that. No, and the first no, words he says do. are, you bitch, away from her you get. Is that what he, <laughs> is that what he says? Uh, yeah, but it would be him because he's going to be saving Mando. Okay. Okay, yeah, I'm on, I'm on board with that. That'd be how fun. About, how about uh, Cobb teaching Mando how to play the flute? <laughs> I'll do the fingering. <laughs> <laughs> Cobb and Mando. Cobb gives Mando a tracking bracelet and says, it's not like we're engaged or anything. <laughs> and then, yeah. and then we, we yell with one voice, yes, it is. Um, <laughs> um, did anybody, like James, you must have thought this, or maybe you didn't. Did, did you not think as the Razor Crest was coming through the atmosphere, it looked an awful lot like Serenity? Well, only in that it's yes. a heap of junk that's falling apart. But yes, yes, I do know what you mean. Just it has something it has a about silhouette vibe. from above. Mm. It has a it's sort of got a long vibe. middle, and then mm. equally on either side, it's got the little engine yeah. bits coming out. Yeah. Serenity looks like a great big flying goose, and so does yeah. this. Anyway, I just wanted to point that out. Carry on. Couple of last questions. C at C Lily two nine seven. What are the chances a Bukatan is going to turn out to be a wrongen? I mean, I don't think I don't she's think a wrongen. wrongen. I think she's a she's a you know a nuanced yeah. character. Yeah, she has her own priorities, yeah. which will not always be Mando's, mm. and she will absolutely go for hers over his yeah. every time. She had leverage and she used it. Yeah. And you really get the sense already that she's been through a lot that he hasn't. Yeah. Maybe some mm-hmm. of the sort of sh- sharper edges of her have been created through these experiences that she's she's gone through of experiencing all of this loss and this frustration that people have taken Mandalore. I, I think already we see that she's not a clear-cut character uh, and she won't necessarily be a wrong'un, but she won't always be a right'un. Not necessarily an that's ally then, yeah. At four, Sound of Fury asks, and again, we've discussed this a little bit, has Mando any good reason not to be a bit more chilled about the helmet business? Yeah, he got a proper strop, didn't he? He did. He just flew off. He went, right, fuck you, and he left. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Doesn't have his beliefs challenged on any level. Oh, God, he's one of those dickheads on Twitter, isn't he? Oh, God, come on now. Let's hope not. <laughs> Hashtag um, not all Mandos. Yeah, basically, that was <laughs> the equivalent of Mandos, like, and blocked, and, just, <laughs> and he's off. <laughs> Oh my word! I think he will be more chilled about it as the show goes on. Yeah, I think I think at least part of that is not knowing how to react. I I mean, I think it's not just a strop. It's it's there's a little element of 
what I don't know what the fuck to do. I yeah. can't even. I can't even with this right now. I just <laughs> yeah, like that's what no. you should have said. Okay, I can't yeah. even and just left. <laughs> See, but it's not. I expected more from from Mando than the you know physical equivalent of la 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 not listening. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not great rhetoric. <laughs> and another thing, <laughs> I don't have an argument. My jetpack. <laughs> At Jonas R. Jacobson asks, not a question, oh, good start, but I noticed that the Quarren actors aren't listed in the end credits. Their doubles are listed, so it seems the credits crew at Disney forgot something. Now, uh, there are a whole bunch of people who aren't credited in this episode. There's loads of people who speak and have speaking roles. And, you know, for example, mm-hmm. I wanted the ship's compute or the, um, the, uh, the female voice that comes on to the intercom as Mando is trying to land the Razor Crest. I wonder if that might be Bryce Dallas Howard doing no, a, a focal cameo, perhaps. The reason for it is that Pedro Pascal plays every single role. <laughs> what a cheeky rascal. He is rascal. every squid face. He is every Mon Calamari. He is. He is everywhere. But I think, but for example, the voice cameos, the voice, like, who is the, the, the deep voiced, I thought it was Sam Elliott at first, the deep voiced <laughs> Quarren who comes across to him in the, in the, uh, in the Admiral snack bar. Uh, I, you know, but they're not listed at the end. But maybe it's just their doubles with some really good uncredited voice people. Who knows? Yeah, fingers crossed they re- reveal some of that because they sometimes do tell us yeah. later who who played some of those kind of voice roles. Uh, anyway, anything else? Any real quick things? Last last things you want to mention? I enjoyed Bo-Katan's snarky use of "This is the way." You know, like that was I thought that was quite uh, quite good. Uh, she's re-educating. Them. You know, she's saying that you know, there's Mandalorians can be more slippy. Uh, and elusive than the yeah. Mando is being. He's so he's so rigid. absolutely stoic mm. and rigid mm. and sticks to his his way. Um, yeah, I really liked as we mentioned. I liked the electric cyanide pill that Bosch takes. <laughs> Haven't seen that before. That's a new twist. Mm. Anything that anything you can, anytime you can get a new twist in something, uh, I'm there for it. Imperial suicide bombers, electric cyanide pills. Yes, please. Not for me personally, but just as a no, concept, no. I, I yeah. like them. Uh, so yeah. Very, very exciting. So next week will be chapter 12. We know from the preview and from the picture that they've released that Grief Karg is back. We know that Cara Dune is back. Don't know how. Don't know why. Don't know where. Would it make sense that Cara Dune would be on Caladan? I'm just saying. Oh, that's clever. Dune, Caladan. Mm-hmm. That's Still spelled wrong. but <laughs> That's very clever. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, I think that's it. On that note, that is it for this episode, this spoiler special episode dedicated to Chapter 11, a.k.a. The RS. We'll be back next week delving deep into Chapter 12. But until then, it is goodbye, and this is the way to massive helmets off, razor crests all round, and we will never explain that <laughs> reference to you, Massive James Empire joke. It's a trap! Yeah, massive. <laughs> It really is. It really is. Anyway, bye-bye, Jimbo. Bye. It is goodbye to Baby Yoda's gloopy lunch, Ben Travis. Finally, he had something to eat, and I'm happy for him. Indeed. (laughs) Goodbye. And uh, it's goodbye to Hokatan, which I know is a pun on your name, Helen, but it's a little sexier than I think you intended. (laughs) This is the way. Stop (laughs) slut-shaming Mandalorians, Helen. This is the way. And it's goodbye from me, Admiral Akbar's Admiral Snack Bar. I'm off to watch Clone Wars and Rebels again for the very first time. I mean, revisit. I mean, revisit religiously the shows that I know like the back of my hand. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye bye. (laughs) 